Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Fellow Marketplace Christians, stop apologizing and start winning. Welcome to the Success Edge, the show that helps you take your walk as a Marketplace Christian to the next level. Here's your host, Christian entrepreneur, Tyler McCart. So what's going on, Success Edge listeners? Tyler McCart coming at you, episode 89. I want to put one of them out there for you guys, and this one is going to be awesome. I think every single interview that I do is awesome, but this one is, again, unique. Uh, Mr. Paul Wilson Jr., who actually got his introductory interview back um, on episode 81 that you can go back and listen to for his introductory interview. And that actually was titled God's dreams for you are bigger than your own dreams. And uh, man, Paul broke it down on that interview. Uh, I was probably one of the uh, fastest uh, climbing uh, downloaded interviews that I've had on my, on my show so far. Uh, it is definitely continues to gain momentum um, as we speak. So episode 81, I would highly recommend that. But uh, before I jump into his, uh, his interview that I have with him today, I wanted to just tell you guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for listening to the Success Edge. We are all about helping you as a marketplace Christian take your walk uh, to the next level God's way and help you succeed. We are all about success God's way. And this was something that I wanted to do, something that God birthed inside of me that needed to see happen in the marketplace to talk about success, you know, God's way. And that's where the success edge kind of birthed. And that's what we come out with every single week, you know, for you guys. I know I'm a little bit late on this actual uh, release, but I still wanted to get it out this week for you. So the other thing I wanted to ask you to do, if you could, is share and subscribe. All right. So all you got to do is just click the subscribe button. Obviously, if you're on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio, just subscribe. Or you can, um, you know, the other thing you can do for us is just share this. Share this personally, you know, with an individual so that they can actually hear about the Success Edge and what we're doing and the guest that we have actually on the Success Edge because we got some phenomenal guests on here. So, Mr. Paul Wilson Jr., I am so intrigued because when I did this interview with him, this conversation that we had, I mean, it was something fresh, something new. And, you know, the main hub around this is, are you prepared or are you open? I guess that's the better way to put it. Are you open to when God takes a sharp right turn in your life? Are you open to that? Are you willing to step out on faith when, man, this doesn't make any sense at all, but take a sharp right with this? And Paul takes us on a journey. He actually, um, if you remember, guys, back in episode 81, he obviously was obviously uh, the owner of Kingdom Business University and uh, obviously helping Christian entrepreneurs establish you know, their businesses um, you know, God's way. But he just recently launched Kinsman Community Ministries, all right? And I'm going to have everything in the show notes so you can go look it all up. But man, he he comes at this a whole new way. And this is what the church needs to step up and do. And Paul, thank you so much for doing it. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode and we'll catch you on the other side. So what's going on, Success as listeners? Tyler McCart. You know, guys, I only bring back the people that the Holy Spirit tells me to bring back. Okay. <laughs> so Mr. Paul Wilson Jr. is in the house and you probably remember him back from episode 81, which you guys actually, uh, from success edge stats, y'all have been eating his, uh, episode up, you know, in that episode the title, of that episode, if I can look back at it real quick, the title of that episode was, God's dream for you are bigger than your own. All right. So that was episode 81. And, you know, Paul has got a brand new uh, ministry that he has just recently launched. He actually kind of alluded to it. I think, Paul, you might have alluded to it actually in our last episode 
if I'm not mistaken, but uh, it's Kinsman Community Ministries, okay? And um, I'm going to turn the reins or the microphone over to Paul, and we're going to have some fun today, guys. So thanks, Paul, for being back on, buddy. Absolutely. It is definitely my pleasure to be here. Um, and I'm excited about the opportunity to connect with you again uh, on, on this podcast. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so so a lot of things have, have happened uh, since since our, our last um, uh, meeting and and uh, our last uh, well, I guess we're meeting, uh, but last recording, I should say. Um, and, and of course, with that title, you know, we kind of use that title as as our kind of transition point. You know, God's dream are, are are bigger than our own. And 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 what's kind of happened with me is, you know, oftentimes, you know, we we have an idea of what we believe God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And then all of a sudden, he kind of goes, it takes a left turn, at least what we would consider a left turn. But, of course, his intention was going in that direction uh, all along. And, and oftentimes, you know, it's almost like we're playing catch up with him. Hmm. And that's, you know, kind of really what's been happening in my heart. Because for a long time, you know, I've been in this, this lane of, of marketplace ministry, you know, teaching people, you know, God's perspective and principles on business and kingdom business, which, you know, with my previous uh, organization that has not completely gone away, but Kingdom Business University, um, and 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 God um, wanted to shift my focus just a little because if we look at Jesus's ministry, and the very first things we hear Jesus talk about um, uh, after he became an adult, let's say, and started his public ministry. Um, in Luke chapter four, and you know he goes into the synagogue uh, after he you know comes out of the wilderness, goes into the synagogue and opens the Bible, and he turns to you know to the scripture which is Luke, uh, which is in Luke four, but of course he's reading from Isaiah sixty four, and the first words that come out of his mouth says, "I've I, you know the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor." And of course, open the eyes of the blind, set the captives free, you know, uh, you know, relief, release the oppressed. And so one of the things that's really been kind of gnawing at me for a long time was we often talk about marketplace ministry. And typically, though, our audiences are those to, to, are to those who are already well off. You know what I mean? Middle class Christians who've probably gone to school and gotten a degree, uh, you know, maybe two or three degrees. And even if not, you know, you know, they're in working class families. But but one of the things that's bothered me for a long time is is. If Jesus's ministry was to the poor, shouldn't ours be too? Um, but not just talking about, at least from from my perspective in terms of, let's say, God's call on my life. Not just talking about giving out handouts. Uh, you know, not just talking about you know um, giving out food and clothes and shelter, which again, those are absolutely needed. And so let me stress that it's absolutely needed. But that's not necessarily the direction God called me to go in. And so what's again kind of been been on my heart for a long time was. Why aren't we using more marketplace ministry strategies to minister to the poor and even equip them and empower them to move forward in their own situation, in their own lives? All right. Wait, uh, Paul, Paul, <clears throat> man. <this> is, yes. <laughs> all right. This is going to be I, I'm liking this already because I see where you're going with it, you know, to a certain degree, because, <clears throat> you know, I where I where I used to live, obviously, was in Columbia, South Carolina. And I'm not going to name the ministry, but it's a great ministry that's out there, and they take care of the homeless, right? Yep. And, you know, to I never d- dived into, you know, their ministry per se. I just knew that they took care of the homeless and fed people. But, you know, they had some kind of a little bit of an element to them of trying to train or trying to get job placements for potential right. people. Is that kind of what we're talking about, Paul, a little bit? Yeah, th- that's absolutely uh, the, the direction we're going in. Um, and, of course, we've heard people use the term, you know, you, you can teach, give a person to fish, feed them for a day, um, you know, teach a person to fish and feed them for a lifetime. Uh, but but why don't we take the next step and, and teach them how to own the pond? Absolutely. You know, uh, t- teach them how to, how, to, how to own a fishing pole store. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, I mean, Paul, you know, um, yeah. this is near and dear to my heart. Because we, and I'm just going to generalize here, as a society, we almost look to our government. Yes. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, did did I jump in too quick? (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just tell you how you really feel, Paul, okay? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that was not a, just a, yeah, Tyler. That was a yes. Right, right. <laughs> but we, in the past, we have looked to our government to solve our problems, okay? And really... The church or the body of Christ is the solution to these problems. Yes, we absolutely. we and so I this is all right. So I, I'm I'm all, I'm already excited. Look, keep going, Paul. Keep going. Yeah. So so we're definitely tracking along. And so if we look at statistically speaking, and these numbers are we're able to kind of track this research in terms of evangelism. Of of what the, the let's say the body of Christ at large and and you know looking at the United States over the last forty to fifty years, if we track the amount of money that has been given to um, you know let's say again homelessness, uh, home shelter food, and let's say the basic staples of life, um, that that out of the all the, the dollars that are given, and I don't have the exact number dollar, but from a percentage standpoint, it comes out to about seventy five eighty. 80, even up to 85% of the dollars have been given to meet, if you think about it, immediate needs. If we look at the dollars that have been given to economic development and sustainability, the number is about around about 1% of all, all missions dollars, dollars given by the church. And so we can really fast forward and say 40 years later, have we really solved the problem? Hmm. Or have we just put band-aids on it and, and, and kept ourselves feeling good about ourselves, but did we really transform anybody's life? And again, I'm sure, of course, there are sure plenty of stories that have, but as a whole, I'd give you another number that is just astounding. If we look at the, the continent of Africa, of all the dollars that have been given in terms of aid to Africa, the number is actually about $1 trillion. Good night. Are you serious? Over the history, yes, over the history of the aid that's been given to the continent of Africa is about $1 trillion. Can we sit here and, and agree that we cannot see a, a trillion dollars worth of advancement or progress in, in that country based on, again, let's assume that it was all given out of a good heart. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I got to well, kind of quantify that a little bit. Yeah, quali- yeah, exactly. Quali- qualify that. <laughs> and even if it was, we still can't agree that uh, there's, that we would agree and say there's been a trillion dollars of impact in that on a continent because again it's been, it was given as aid and not as empowerment. You know, it's given to a lot of programs that fed a lot of hungry people. And again, you have to deal with emergencies when emergencies come up. But is it an emer- should it be an emergency every single month? You know what I mean? Should it be an emergency every single year and that people are in the same position? Because again, some people are actually benefiting from the status quo. If, if we're honest, so they want to keep the status quo of keeping people in a subservient position because they benefit out of the fact that they stay subservient because they, they're, they're part of the pipeline that they distribute basically the pennies to the people. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, again, if we bring it back to America, bring it back to our communities, bring it back to our situations, and we look at, again, I, I truly believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a, go- is a, is a gospel of empowerment. Um, it, it is a gospel that that helps to I, help people identify, God, have uniquely created me? H- how have you blessed me in terms of spiritual gifting and natural talents? And, and how can I actually not only use that to um, uh, not just maybe get a job, which, again, for many people, that, that's a blessing, but how do I also bring glory, the glory of God to the world by literally living out uh, the creation uh, narrative, if you will, or, or the DNA of my creator by utilizing God's gifts and talents to create things that bring value to the world? Again, under the umbrella of entrepreneurship. To me, that, that's a powerful narrative, a powerful story to, to, to take people from you know, a destitute situation to realize you're made in the image of God. He's blessed you with talents, gifts, and abilities. And now not only are we teaching you how to, how to let's say, uh, navigate from um, survival, but now we're transitioning to another place of, of, of thriving based on, again, what God placed inside of you. Uh, and, and to me, we, to we, we haven't spent enough time looking at that whole narrative and, and, and walking people through that process um, but we spend a lot of time kind of dealing with people in their current condition and not necessarily lifting them out of that condition, 
but in many cases, in many cases, enabling them to stay right there. But again, we feel good because we're serving. Well, I mean, Paul, you'd have to agree with me that it's a whole lot easier to give someone a handout than to actually hold their hand and walk out a process with them. You're exactly right. I mean, yeah, you're, you, said, you're right. you said a powerful statement that, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, yeah, we need to give aid, but we need to empower, you know, so it's that aid versus power empowerment, you know, s- s- scenario. Right. So, and, 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 and I'll, yeah, no. And so, so it's also easier to evangelize than it is to disciple. <laughs> if, if, oh if <laughs> man boom just punched yeah. with a left hook he didn't even see it coming i tell you sec paul's bringing it baby i love it it, it is i mean it's easy to share share jesus with somebody and, and and if they accept christ and you walk away or if they say no you walk away and we feel good about ourselves but but did we do and, and so let's go to scripture did we do what jesus told us to do with the last thing he told them, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And it says, he says, of course, baptize them, but he says, disciple them. He didn't say evangelize them. He said, disciple them. And, and so it, it really causes us to step into another place, like you said, a really um, um, uh, uncomfortability or serving or really sacrifice is really what we're talking about to, to, to shift people. Because, again, it's going to take time for some people. If you've been in a state for so long. You know, we're not talking about an overnight process. You know, we're talking about an investment of, of money, but more importantly, I think is we're talking about an investment of time. A- a- am I committed to an investment of time to walk people into their destiny? You know, to walk people beyond just, again, the basic, you know, I show up on Thanksgiving and, and serve a turkey dinner, but then you don't see me for the next year um, until it's time for me to serve again at an event versus engaging in a process. And, and that's really what we're talking about, the difference of dealing with an event versus, and again, even the event of sharing Christ versus the process of walking with somebody life on life and doing discipleship. Well, um, and, and, so Paul, I, yeah. and, and Paul, I like, I know, I, you know, kind of going back to the direction you're headed to and taking us down, you know, like you said, we're not teaching them how to necessarily... Um, fish, we're teaching them how to own the pond. Right. Which is far beyond, you know, just giving somebody some job skills or, you know, just to, you know, just so they can get up on their feet. I mean, we're, we're, you're talking about retooling their thought process to a whole nother degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and even taking it to, you know, let's say some current issues, um, that are, are flashpoints, um, and, and not to go deep into the issues, but if, if I just mention the, the word Ferguson um, or mention the word Baltimore, um, <laughs> oh, at, yeah. at the at, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to go on a rabbit trail. I'm going to stay in this lane. Um, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll use keep you, term, I'll keep you in the lane. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to use I'm going to use the term economic evangelism because at at the heart of a lot of let's say the the results of what we see the root cause of course is spiritual but part of the connection to the root cause is economic there, there is a sense of hopelessness hopelessness and despair based on whether perceived and or real lack of jobs lack of opportunity you know lack of mobile uh, the opportunity of of what they call what, what mobile progress or, or mobile or economic mobility to get even get out of my situation. So there's really, in many cases, a lot of these inner cities, a sense of despair and hopelessness. And the word of God says, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. Um, or, or another version, of course, says, where there's no vision, the people perish. So you literally have people in a hopeless situation that now, if it's triggered by, let's say, police violence or brutality or whatever, even triggered by, you know, um, um, gang violence or warfare, you know what I mean? So, so now we're, what we're talking about is I, I can go to you now and share Christ. But if, if, if when I leave after sharing Christ with you, and let's say you accept Jesus, and again, you're in one of these cities in one of these situations, I'm not able to direct you to also impacting your economic situation. I've really, and this may sound like heresy, I've only solved half of your problem. 
I've got Jesus. You got Jesus. But if you have no support system around you, if you have no one who's going to help coach you through, um, 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 again, getting out of this cycle of poverty that, that you're in, because everything you see around you hasn't changed. Yes, you have Jesus, but everybody else around you doesn't yet. You know what I mean? Is is I, I haven't done the complete service again. Jesus fed fed five to ten thousand after he preached to them. After he preached to them, he put something in their bellies so that they wouldn't go back to their situation um, and literally fall out on the way again if they were hungry. And and so and I, again, so that's why I use the term economic evangelism, where we're marrying the gospel with practical solutions to reach people where they are. And again, we're not talking about overnight solutions. And again, and let me say this too, I'm not justifying violence. Uh, I'm not justifying, you know, um, attacking police. I'm not justifying any of that. But Martin Luther King, you know, had a powerful statement. And it basically said a riot, um, basically, I'm a paraphrase, becomes a, a, a voice for the voiceless. If they feel that in any other, any other environment that I'm not being heard, then the, what the riot becomes is, is, is my cry for help. And, and so absolutely, we cannot justify violence. We cannot justify, you know, again, as I said, um, um, you know, um, rebelling against authority. But at the same time, do we, are, have we stopped to listen to the cries of those who, 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 if they feel like this is the only way that I have to cry out, I'm going to respond like this. As a Christian, as a kingdom citizen, what then is my responsibility of not just sharing Christ with people, but am I, if I'm in the position to take another step, should I take another step to now begin to deal with the systemic issues that have held you in poverty, which absolutely are spiritual, but every spiritual condition has a natural outcome that's associated with it. Woo. Okay. All right. Paul, this is um, <laughs> the. I, I know for me personally that it would just always frustrate me that we'd get a lot of people saved, say, at a Billy Graham crusade. Yeah. Or, <clears throat> you know, whatever it might be, you can name the crusade. But. There was no infrastructure, there was no follow-up, there was no discipleship present, or at least a thorough enough one to be able to put all those fish that were caught, per se, into some kind of, you know, queue to get them cleaned up. Right. Right? Right. And it would frustrate me, you know, to no end, and I, and I, I mean, I was sitting there, I remember at 20 years old, saying, okay, how can I, how can we do this? You know, how can we, you know, evangelize an area? And then, you know, we need something on the back end, a team that comes in after that for six months or, you know, whatever the number is and actually, you know, works with those individuals and gets them plugged into community, gets them plugged into some sort of thing. But now you're putting in a whole nother, cause I was, I was thinking more on the just spiritual side. But you're talking about an economical where that you're putting their hands to work on not just for somebody else, but you're talking for some something for them. Because because, I mean, let's face it, if someone comes along and builds a doghouse for me, that's one thing. But if I go out there and build my own doghouse, you better believe that I'm going to take some pride in that. Absolutely. And I'm going to take a lot more ownership in that than someone coming and giving me and just putting a doghouse in my backyard and say, hey, here's your doghouse. But if I'm, I'm the one out there, you know, sawing and cutting and, you know, putting the nails in and everything like that, man, I'm going to take a little more pride in that doghouse. And I'm going to make sure that my dog's got a nice doghouse and I'm going to have some pride in that because I've got ownership. Yeah, definitely. Right? Definitely. And, 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 and a thought I believe the Holy Spirit just, just brought to my mind. I hadn't thought about like this, too. OK. All right. So. So if, if we had someone who's addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol and they came to our church, we would, of course, share Christ with them, uh, make sure that they're, you know, uh, spiritually taken care of. But we would also look for a program that would deal with their drug addiction or, or, or their alcoholism. 
Um, because, again, we want to address the natural and the spiritual because we understand that if the natural isn't connected, the, the spiritual is going to go wayward as long as that person, again, stays in that condition. But it seems like in the areas of poverty, uh, we don't have that same mindset. It's almost like we get, them, we get people saved and it's like, okay, good luck with that. You know, as we expect them to almost disciple themselves out of poverty from, from that standpoint. Uh, so it, to me, it takes just another level of compassion. It takes another level of really being concerned about a person's whole being and whole life to say, what do they really need to succeed? Um, what type of support system um, um, do they need so that, again, not that we're going to continue to enable them where they are, but we help them take that next step beyond where they are uh, in, into a life, again, that they move from surviving to, to literally thriving and economic development, economic empowerment has to be a part of that conversation, not just their spiritual development. So I got two things for you, Paul, on this that I'm thinking about right now. So I, I was just actually in, um, in one of my training classes that I just had uh, for my business, my marketing business. The gentleman said, he said, if you take someone or a family or a mom and dad and they have got good morals or say they're Christians, i.e. a Christian, okay? But they don't have a dream. Mm. Then their kids are not going to see mom and dad succeed, and therefore they're not going to, you know, cast off restraints. Wow. Right? That's powerful, yeah. But if you yeah. have some uh, family, a mom and dad, that do have solid Christian values and solid Christian beliefs, but they have a dream and they're out there succeeding in the world, then their kids can see that and they want to model it. And you know what? They won't be screwed up. Mm. And it's just like, I mean, you can kind of expand that to a little bit larger sense of our community. Yes. You know, where that yes. there's corrupt politicians or corrupt business people or corrupt whatever, you know, and uh, people are seeing other people succeed. You know, the two have to go hand in hand. But it's it's really we got a lot of, you know, good Christians, Paul, but we don't have a lot of dreamers out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so so I wanted I wanted to bring that because I know that's probably got a little key element in what you're talking about. But the other thing I wanted you to bring out is I wanted to hear an example or a story of somebody that you have or that you're working with right now, you know, with the Kinsman community, you know, ministry that you have that you start you're starting to see this happen or you're starting to see, you know, some a little bit of the fruit of that. You know, I know it might be early on, but just a little bit of it. Absolutely. And so I'll touch on your, your first question uh, initially. So, so the, to me, the dream component is, is so powerful right in the middle of this and, and, and on, on two sides. So on the side of, again, we, we talked about those, let's say, in the poverty, you know, stricken condition that they absolutely need a dream and, and need hope. Um, Christ uh, and they need they need that uh, vision. That of, of striving for something beyond just for the day, because many of them have a fatalistic mentality, oftentimes, especially the younger ones that I'm not going to live past 16 or 17 anyway. So it doesn't matter what I do, how I live, if I hurt you, because I don't think I'm going to live anyway. So so that's why, you know, I think I use I was preaching a message the other day and I used the term Satan's uh, the assassin. Satan is an assassin of our young people and his bullet is hopelessness. Um, and, and if and they're hopeless and they're, there's no dream. They're not going to move beyond where they are. So on the flip side, let's say other people like you and I and other normal, let's say, Christians, if they're not dreaming either, then, then here's, here's the issue that happens. The word of God says Christ in us is the hope of glory. So if, 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 if Christ in us, again, is the light that shines for other people, see our good works, and we have the light to take into dark places, but I'm not dreaming, then I have no vision either, and I have no light to take to those who need it. So, so now I'm a Christian who's not allowing my light to shine. That's good. Yeah. So, so, so now, and, and in many cases, I'm dying on the inside too because I'm not living out and fulfilling who God has called me to, me to do. And, and so I have a friend of mine who says this, your business is an answer to somebody's prayer. Amen. And, and, 
and so very well could be that the, the person's prayer, and they don't even know they're praying, <laughs> you know, or if they do know they're praying, they're crying <laughs> out to God, help me. The, the Christian who's in a position of means or their business could be the very solution to actually meet the need of the, pe- of the person who's crying out in some of these communities. And so that's why it's so important for us to follow the dream that God has put in our hearts, because then it, it positions us and enables us to be a blessing to somebody else um, naturally and or spiritually who, who needs who needs somebody who's in a much stronger position, again, naturally and or spiritually um, to, to now we marry a need with a solution. Um, and, and whatever that might be. And so for us, one of the projects that we're working on um, under the umbrella of Kinsman is a partner organization we're working with called Greater Works. And so what Greater Works is, is really it's an entrepreneurial venture, but it, it's, a, it's a discipleship slash pre-employment program that connects people to jobs on the back end of this six-week training program. Um, and, and, and it's interesting. We, we have seen people, again, just getting started, but but once we announced that we were doing this, how many people came out of the woodworks to say, I want a job? Now, mind you, these aren't necessarily Christians. But the thing is, when we said we had a job that's connected to the program, it's like, well, I'm willing to go through whatever I got to go through to get a job. So oftentimes we place, place labels on people that from the outside looking in, we're wondering, why are you dealing drugs? You know, why are you doing things you're doing? And for many of them, they say, I can't get a job legally, but I'm going to feed my family one way or another. You may judge me for selling the drugs, but my baby's going to eat tonight. Even if I got to starve, my baby's going to eat tonight. Again, I'm not justifying the act, but understand sometimes the motivation behind the act may not be as clean cut as we would like from the outside looking in. We had, we had some other guys walk in the other week. Um, they were in a gang. And, and literally they said, you know what? Um, we need a job, and, and, and I, this I heard the secondhand. It wasn't told directly to me, but I heard it secondhand that they basically said, in, ma- in many cases, we wouldn't be out here in a gang if we had something else to occupy our time, as in a job. That's why we showed up for your program. Um, in the city of Chicago, they did a study a couple of years ago um, of, of a gang, uh, not a gang, but a crime-infested area. They gave the youth in that area a job for the summer. Crime dropped 43%. Wow. So we use the term, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Um, and, and, and it's true, and it plays itself out. So oftentimes, again, as Christians, we're quick to jump to the spiritual. And again, now don't get me wrong, I'm a Christian. We, need, we have to have the spiritual. But we can't overlook the natural issues that are, that are plaguing people and just tell people, once you got Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Yes, everything's going to be okay when you have a support system around you that is, and again, the best support system is if it is a church or a Christian nonprofit or even a Christian business. To me, the Christian business is the best situation because then discipleship is happening seven days a week, if you will, or let's say five days a week. Discipleship is not happening because now they're in a work environment with a Christian who has a business that's creating an environment of discipleship. But now, guess what? Now they're getting blessed by a paycheck, and, it's near, and you're not just giving them a handout because now they work for it. Absolutely. So this, this whole dynamic is working together. And, and again, and I call it, I, I, I call it kind of, under economic evangelism, out of three J's, Jesus, jobs, and justice. Hmm. Um, so we give them Jesus. Um, we, we connect them with a the job, whether it be working for somebody else or teach them how to, again, start a business. And the justice component is advocating for those, again, who are voiceless, to give them more tools so they don't, they don't have to riot. Let's give them other tools and strategies to, to, to have a voice for the frustrations and the, and the issues that they're dealing with so that, again, because uh, the other terrible thing about rioting, they end up tearing up their own neighborhood. So now you've got an even worse situation um, you know, um, and then, then you started off with. Um, so Jesus, Jobs, and Justice, to me, you marry those three together, you, we're going to see some communities and neighborhoods turn around from some of the tragedies that we're seeing right now. Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Wow. All right. So Paul, let's, let's kind of bring this home. Okay. Let's bring this home. So one of the things I, I keep the, in the, probably the last, you know, six or seven minutes of us talking, um, is, you know, if I have 
if we can give or we can impart or if we can help train up or teach somebody that has never had a dream how to have a dream, mm-hmm. you know, um, then they're too busy to go riot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're, you know, if, I, if I've got a, a destination in mind and I'm going down that path of, you know, and I'm seeing the fruit from that, man, I don't have time to sit there and, you know, go screw up something or go vandalize something, you know? Absolutely. You're and, exactly right. You know, I, I hear that with this. So, Paul, take, you know, how do we wrap, how do we wrap this show up? I mean, we're, what, what are some things that the Success Edge community can glean from this, this, uh, this conversation from you and I right now? I, I truly believe that we have to look at the role of the gospel and of the kingdom in, in, in a broader manner. Um, and, 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 and so, so in two aspects, one is salvation, of course, but we also have to look at what does discipleship really look like? Mm. And, and, and are we willing to commit to discipleship? Are we willing to commit to making disciples? And in some cases, making disciples means I'm going to have to step out of my comfort zone. Uh, I'm going to have to sacrifice some of the comfortability that I have, especially how I spend my what we call spare time or free time to really invest in so into somebody else's life. Here's what it also I think we have to ask God. When we look at the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How does that apply to my dream? Hmm. And, and am I living a dream of, again, really the American dream? Or am, or am I pursuing a dream that God gave me that is going to cause me to put my hands to a plow that maybe wasn't on my goal sheet? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and maybe or, or maybe using the business that God has given me, and maybe I'm already successful in business, but, but maybe there's, there's another part of my heart that I need to open, open up and look at and say, you know what, maybe if, if I hired some of these guys from the neighborhood, put them through a training process, a development process, a discipleship process, maybe I can help crime go down. Right. You, you know, maybe I have a 50-employee company, and, and maybe, God, I can use my company as a ministry platform and, 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 and think about business in a different way as a, as a kingdom advancement tool and not just as a tool to make money for myself, but I can now use it to empower other people. You know, so, God, this is so good. I'm thinking of, of an interview that I did last year. Um, I, I don't even have, uh, it's Chris, Chris Patton. Okay. And Chris Patton, uh, he is, um, his grandfather and his father started up uh, Mike Patton, auto auto uh, sales and they own he now is the president and owner um, or one of the owners of three different car dealerships and you know right down the you know a couple hours from us uh, Paul uh, in LaGrange Georgia and you know his his whole mindset is is obviously the whole you know when all this stuff burns up mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the the only thing that I'm going to be, you know, that's not going to burn up is, and he calls it the silhouettes, you know, the, the people that he was able to minister to at his work. And so one of the things that he does, and this just might be an idea of being able to bring a discipleship and a ministry inside the context of, you know, the marketplace, he has one of those corporate cha- chaplains yeah. come to his yeah. dealership every Thursday and the, they, they provide, they actually, they provide a free lunch and all the workers, all the, you know, maintenance people to the sales guys can all come in and get a free lunch, but they also can hear, you know, somewhat of the gospel and have some of the community and have some, some people to reach out to, to actually, you know, 
plug into that community, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, right. And, you know, that might be a very primitive thing of what you're talking about, but that is kind of a glimpse of something that I can see, you know, that men and women can do. And And I think, Paul, the other thing I wanted to point out to you, what you're saying that I think that where you said it so well, it's easy to preach the gospel, but it's difficult to make disciples. Yes. And because I know from, from my personal experience, I'm just going with my personal experience again. So, you know, my business that I have outside of my job, you know, it's like the underground railroad for getting people saved and having a discipleship program for this. And most people don't even know this. Um, but I can sit across from somebody. It doesn't matter if you just graduated from Yale or you just got out of jail. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I can sit right. across from you and introduce a business concept to you. And, you know, for under $200, you can be in business for yourself. You can plug in with me or a team of people that's going to train and teach you on how to own and operate your own business. And, you know, what people don't know about with, you know, the, the business team that I have is that once a quarter we have large, you know, seminars and rallies, basically. And isn't it interesting that on Sunday morning we have an optional non-denominational Christian worship service mm-hmm. that for the last 12 years I've probably sent a minimum of 300 to 400 people get saved. Wow. Wow. And isn't it interesting that those people that get saved at that business conference plug right back into a system yes. of books, mentorship, audios, CDs, training seminars that teach them and empower them how to live better, not just, you know, from an economic standpoint, because no one is ever free unless they're economically free. Right. Okay. Right. And, but you also have to have that marriage component. You also have to have that, you know, emotional stability component that's out there. You also have to be able to teach them how to be an entrepreneur because man, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you know, for, from personal experience, Paul, it's a skill that's developed. I mean, you—it's not just—it's different than having a job. Yeah. Oh, all day, <laughs> <laughs> all day long, and then on Sunday too, right. right? But but the thing is, is that the discipleship is where most of us fall down because it is—it's you know—it does take people some courage to step up and say, "Hey, man, do you know Jesus? Are you going to hell?" You know, and that's great. And we need that. We need people to do that. Absolutely. But it's another thing to sit there and walk somebody through the process of discipleship, true discipleship, you know, where that you actually correct them, where that you actually have to pick them back up. Um, and I'm just thinking of a, a gentleman that uh, got into my business team. Um, his name was Chris. And Chris was, <laughs> I mean, he was a 22, 23-year-old kid. There was smoking pot, you know, down in South Georgia mm. that didn't have a hope and a prayer for anything. Right. I mean, didn't graduate college, barely graduated high school. He didn't even go to college. Wow. And he gets into, he gets in and around me and around our business team and so forth like that, Paul. And guess what? He stops his drinking. He stops mm smoking marijuana. He stops doing that. He winds up going and getting a job at, at, uh, I think it was, um, I want to say Dillard's. And then as he moved through the ranks, because he was learning things outside in his own business and, you know, the team was bettering him, he wound up becoming the manager of that department store down in Dillard's. Wow. Okay. I mean, from a 23 year old kid that was Definitely. His, his family was all screwed up. It, it was just not a good situation. And now, now Chris has gone on and done other things. He's got a, a wife and a kid. But that's what we're talking about here, Paul. Absolutely. I mean, we're it, talking it, about you've yeah. got to roll your sleeves up and actually work with somebody. There was no telling how many times that I had to be on the phone with Chris talking to him maybe after 9 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, you know, mm-hmm. and talking him through certain situations. That's called right. discipleship, in, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I apologize for absolutely. going off on that tangent right there, but no. I think people need to, need to get a fresh revelation, a fresh wake-up call more than a revelation 
of discipleship, because this is near and dear to my heart, too, that, you know, instead of just going and uh, standing in the soup kitchen, you know, on Thanksgiving and say, oh, I did my deed, you know, right. why don't we take one step further, right? A- absolutely. And, and to me, um, you know, you brought up a couple examples. And, and, the, and the thing is, I think there's multiple ways to get this done. You know, um, and, and, and even going back to the, the difference between having a job and, and, and being an entrepreneur, for some, many people, if you never had a job, maybe the worst thing you could be first is an entrepreneur. Maybe you need a job first. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's so true, Paul. <laughs> Develop some discipline, consistency, you know, work ethic, and, and, and then we'll move you, you know, and transition you. But, but I think the whole, the whole point of this is will you open your heart to what God would want to do? You know what I mean? And, and I think that that's really where it starts. Will we open our hearts to, to step out of our comfort zone and then la- allow God to guide the steps? Because, again, for one business, like you said, it may be the corporate chaplain. For another business, it may be something different. But at the end of the day, does God have our hearts? Mm-hmm. And, and are we willing to be his, his instrument, his vessel, where we, tell, we ask God to tell us what to do and we don't tell God what we're going to do? You know what I mean? And based on how the life that we want to live, God, here's what I'm going to do for you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times that, that we can get, we have the, we can, human beings can have a tendency, Christians, to tell God, here's how I want you to bless me. Here's how I want my life to go. Um, and, and I'll let you know when I'm available to do something different. Hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it just comes back to a heart condition. Are, are we compassionate enough? to sacrifice what I may have thought, again, what may have thought my dream life was. Because even going back to the last podcast, God's dream for you is bigger than your dream for yourself. So, so if he's going to ask you to do something, trust me, the reward is going to be so much greater than what you think you're holding on to right now. Amen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I love talking to you, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Paul. I love it. I love it. God, I mean, Paul, I I mean, I know for, for a fact that what you just said, that if God takes you in a different direction, that it will be way better than what you thought it could be, even though it doesn't make any sense because I'm living proof that I used to try to talk people out of, doing this type of business that I have, that I have, you know, my, my marketing business. Right. right. I would try to talk you out of it. <laughs> yeah. Until, don't, don't come down this path. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Don't you dare do that. Right. But, but God had other plans to where that he flipped the script on me to where that, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is how I'm supposed to, you know, see people saved and also see people discipled father. This is the thing I've been dreaming about the whole entire time trying to figure out as I've been driving down this road here. And all of a sudden it was the thing I was trying to speak against. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you were exactly. talking. I mean, you know, SEC have the willingness, have the openness to, to take that step. You know, it might not make sense. Right. Yeah, but absolutely. It, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't you know faith doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it, we, we would like it to make sense. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, that would be but, great. But, you but, know? but tip, tip, typically, it, it rarely does. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, and I think, but that's the beauty I think in just the God we serve, um, in, in that we can't figure Him out. You know, and, and a lot of times He leads us in paths and directions that starting off definitely is like God. What are you doing? But but we I'm, and I'm sure again if we look back over our lives right now, we can see other decisions that that God led us to that didn't make any sense. But now we see the fruit of it. Amen. You know we we see, we see the, the result of it, and and now God is saying now now I want you to trust me again. You know we move from we're supposed to be moving from faith to faith and glory to glory, um, and, and which means that that the the more faith I have, that means the more I, I have to let go of my own agenda. Mm. My my own perspective, my own plans, mm. and, and be open to just uh, something new. Again, God says, "I behold, I do a new thing. Forget the former things. I'm about to do something." Uh, and again, then He asks the question: "Shall you perceive it? Mm. Are, will you recognize the new thing I'm doing?" Because typically, again, if I do it, it's probably going to be something that you haven't seen before. Um, but are you willing to trust me in it? Mm. 
SEC, I hope I know you are thankful that I brought Paul back on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm thankful to be here. Amen. Thankful to be here. Amen, dude. Amen. Paul, I know we could keep talking about this, and uh, we probably can talk about so many other things. But um, man, I appreciate your heart, buddy. I appreciate what you guys are doing out there. Tell tell the listeners, uh, Paul, where they can find Kinsman Community Ministries, and kind of if they wanted to uh, get involved at a certain point, how how would that do work out? Absolutely. So you can definitely reach us at uh, my Kinsman. Uh, that's K I N S M A N dot org. Uh, of course, my personal website is, is still paulwilsonjr.com. Uh, um, and, um, and, and, and on the Kinsman site, I actually I, I have a, a page focused on economic evangelism. So if you go to mykinsman.org, click on economic evangelism, um, you, you'll see in a lot more detail a lot of what we're, I guess in the summarized version, I should say, what we've been talking about uh, today. And, and again, and of course, I'm all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram as a Paul Wilson Jr. Um, that you can connect with me there also. Absolutely. I follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter, guys. So I would recommend it. Recommend it. Absolutely. So, Mr. Paul, thank you again, my brother. I really appreciate it, man. And we're going to call this a wrap. Absolutely. Thank, thank you again. And I appreciate uh, being here. Uh, and, and God bless you and all that you're doing. And keep up the excellent work. If you feel inspired to take your God-given skills to the next level, download our free report called The Five Tools That Every Marketplace Christian Needs to Crush It in Their Career. God loves when we use the abilities He's blessed us with to do amazing work in the marketplace. So download your report by visiting the successedge.biz slash tools right now. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Success Edge.